Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast in the multiverse. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bond, and I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. Brandon, not that much to celebrate in this in this confounded year. However, when you slap a 50 burger on an NFL team, I don't care if the team has two wins. When you stack a 50 burger on top of an NFL team, you get fired up. How was your Sunday crawling into I, Monday for you, I'm, Brandon? I'm already confused. Not much to celebrate in this year, Clinton. In this year, we are undefeated. The Seahawks are undefeated in 2022. There's a lot to celebrate in this year. Wow. As, as, the, as the great white Goodman would say, touche with that one, my friend. <laughs> so you nailed it. 2022, year of the Seahawks into 2023, of course, and uh, and the whole thing. But but thank you, Brandon, for for you know just fixing fixing my error of my ways straight away. And Brandon, as we as we get going, everybody for the for anybody anybody tuning in for the first time ever. Well, thank you first and foremost. But we we we're gonna get into, of course, the ins, the outs, the nooks, the crannies, and you know we're not gonna hit up such such huge things as as the the starring roles. Some some of the folks like Rashad Penny, although we'll hear about that a little bit later. But we're going to hit up some more subtle things because that's what this show is all about. And it's for the fanatics. Now, typically, Brandon, I am a, I'm a homebody when it comes to Seahawks games. This year has been a little bit different in the sense that we were out, you know, we're out of the playoffs. So my buddy, my buddy Vinny, I was like, hey, I got tickets to the Bucks jets game. Why don't you, you know, great seats, dude, free tickets. Why don't you come and come and take a ride down with me to the Meadowlands? I live in Connecticut. I'm like, sure, let, let's rock and roll. So. Went to the Bucks Jets yesterday. Had great, awesome seats, which was really cool. Um, I went to use the bathroom, and when the AB everything broke out, I hear people just going bananas. I'm oh, like, you What's didn't even get on? to see it live. And it, I mean, dude, when I tell you, I was the seats I had were about four rows right from where he started doing the hand waves in the end zone. Oh we my were gosh! Right there, so I so I missed the entire AB thing, which is whatever what everybody wants to talk about. Um, but it was pretty cool. Uh, Zach Wilson is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, he's actually pre- pretty wily in the pocket and escaped three or four times. That was like just certain death. And he escaped it and, and got out to either make a play. Uh, Braxton Barrios is a very, you know, interesting little scat, scat back type player, scat wide receiver. Really, really shifty. Very good as well. And a couple of things I wanted to share, Brandon. And this is gonna, I'm going to tell the folks right, right now, this ends in a sad note. And I'm going to need some convincing from you to tell me I'm wrong. So you ready for a little, little, uh, little story here, Brandon? I thought we got the sad news out of the way with you not being there for the AB moment. No, that was just like, you know, uncanny that I had to go use the bathroom for the, you know, 11th time. I'm 43 years old. So now I have to use the bathroom a lot. Anybody that's now, you know, my business, but so here we go. Right. So I, I've been really, they pay, they passed the fan duel. So we could use fan duel. We could use DraftKings in the state of Connecticut. And of course, it's already been alive in the state of Jersey, so no problems placing my prop bets. I love my prop bets. So I place uh, some money on, and then we're talking five or 10 bucks. I don't go bananas. And by the way, if you don't got money, freaking, you're a grown up, do what you want your money. But, but, but don't, don't, you know, don't blow your money don't on be gambling. Yeah, right. So I place a prop bet on, on Gronk to go over on receptions. That was, you know, a no, no brainer. I hit that one. I placed a receiving yards on AB. That went down that, that <laughs> tank down the tubes. But my favorite prop bet, which which I ended up placing, you know, uh, halfway through the game of this game, my favorite prop bet of the week was Russell Wilson over 11 and a half yards rushing. So oh. throughout the week, I'm like, this dude, he showed it last week. Like he's starting to like come out of his shell. He's starting to run the ball more. He's pull, you know, he's pulling uh pulling down some uh, some read options. So I, I love that bet. And the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, oh man. Like, why is this happening? Like, why now? Why for the second week in a row is he pulling down a read option? Why is he taking off? Like for all year long, he, he really was even last year wasn't taking off that, you know, towards the second half of the year. Not as much, but especially this year, really, really immobile. And the conclusion I came to, Brandon, is that Russell Wilson's agent got in his ear. This is not you know, this is my this is my think. Okay. And was like, hey, dude, you got to put back on tape that you're still mobile. Like you have got to put back on tape that you could still escape, scramble, move the chains with your feet, and you have a couple of games to do it. Otherwise, you're really diluting, diluting you know, your value and who you, who you might end up going to. So 
my big sad conspiracy theory here is that his agent is in his ear about this and we're seeing the Russell scramble ability because I had to lay the wood on this bet also. I think we saw Russ play his last game as a Seahawk at home. I almost get that even with some of his comments in his press conferences too. Like, well, one, the whole odd thing of him going, well, you know, you guys asked Bobby yesterday uh, what he thought about it, you know, if he might come back this year. And here are my thoughts about coming back next year. Uh, That is weird. Like we, we have some Russell Wilson weird moments and that was one of them. And then he continues to say, well, I hope I'm back. Well, I sure, I sure hope I'm back. Well, yeah, but Russ, you have a no trade clause. Yeah, but I, I really hope I'm back. And, and you're under contract. <laughs> so, you know, no trade clause. Um, yeah. Your pay, contrast your pay, with what Russ is saying, with saying, I hope I'm back versus when Dwayne Brown was asked, he's like, oh man, I love being here. I, I would love to be back. Very, very different tone. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think Russ says the right, I mean, you know, he's got a thousand and one different foundations, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that the dude, the dude's incredibly philanthropic and he's, he's done so much for the community in, in different ways. Seattle Children's and the, and I forget the foundation he just began uh, recently last year. I mean, I do think the dude is, is an honorable guy and, and sunk, and I mean it in a good way again, into the community of Seattle and the surrounding area. But I do think he's setting himself up for the, hey, I want to stay the whole time, guys. Like if I had my, you know, my druthers, I would have been here. It's like, well, dude, you are under contract. So, so if you really want to stay here, you could just keep playing football and make a lot of money doing that for, for a city that loves you, you know, and stay on your hall of fame career path that you're on, on your arc and hopefully go win that second or third Super Bowl you're talking about. Here's um, the other line of thinking though. Now he could also be setting it up for this idea that, I mean, the dude's 33 years old. If yeah. he plays the final two years of his contract, what kind of contract is he going to be getting two years from now when he isn't showing that kind of scramble ability? Uh, if that's did I say that right? I don't yeah, know. You did. It doesn't you did. matter. You did good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you talk about your agent, you're adding that value to it. If you're going to push for an extension again, I know he has two years left. The Seahawks don't n- normally do that. But why not push for it now? You get the, you know, the money now is better than waiting and and not getting it. As you know, Dwayne Brown has found out, he's probably not going to get the kind of contract that he probably would have wanted a year ago. So I, I I qualify it with that. Like he could be playing it that way too. Listen, I, I hope he's playing this. I hope he's playing that type of game where he wants to be the prodigal son returns. And I don't mean after an absence. I mean just like you know. I'm the good guy and retain that kind of uh, that kind of quality where he's the one who decides to stay and he works it out and contractually and yada, yada, yada. Like, hey, pay me more now and, and shift the monies later. Whatever. I hope it's true. Now, the one piece of the one piece of all this, my gut says he's going to be gone, which is terrible. And I don't I don't want that to be the case. But the breadcrumbs I'm seeing out there and this scrambling that I was like, oh, man, he's going to hammer this. He's going he's to absolutely hammer this because. He knows he needs to show. That's this right. Now, okay. The sad ending to this is it because he had kneel downs and kneel downs count toward his rushing total, and so you, <laughs> no, you no, missed no, it. No, so no. he went under no, and you, no, no. you that, lost that, that the, was, the prop. That was, smash, that was smash pop. That was he almost scored that touchdown. He had the you know no, no. it was eleven and a half yards, but he had to put the twenty something. No, that that was a win. And again, we're talking about five or ten bucks on bets like that for me. So it's I don't not not big, but the I'd say the good news. The, so the bad news, the sad news is. That's what my heart says and my gut says is the reality. The very good news is I thought Rashad Penny was a terrible running back. <laughs> so I have been very wrong before. No, don't, it- don't turn around on this yet, Clinton. You can point to the fact that his big games have been against the Texans, a depleted Chicago Bears defensive line, and now you know a, a Detroit Lions team. Don't, don't all of a sudden hop onto the Penny is good bandwagon. Oh man, I might be on, I might be leading that that train pretty pretty darn soon because I'm texting my boys. I'm like, I'm like, dudes, and they're not Seahawks fans. I'm like, after three and a half years of like, you know, injury and just trashness, I'm like, what do we do now? Like five or six games of the guy being a Jonathan Taylor type and and, and even better with you know YPC. What are we supposed to do? Like, I know we have a lot of offseason to talk about it, but like the idea of a couple of weeks ago bringing him back was like, all right, it's it's a game. Now it's five five weeks in a row where it's like, all right, do we just run back Carson and Penny and 
forget about running back. We have enough there and just, and then just, you know, go at other positions in the draft. It, that becomes pretty attractive. I, I got to be honest. So it's a, hey, I can be swayed is what I'm saying. So I hope I'm wrong about Russ. I hope I'm right about Penny. I know we got the ins and outs to get to. However, before we get there, Brandon, the one thing that it's always hazy and we haven't done it quite enough this year. The one rule, of course, that governs three in, three out. Remind the good folks, the good people of Earth. What is that one rule? Because I forget. You know, I, I'm having trouble with it myself. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a little bit of a quiz. I, okay. I want you to picture yourself in this situation. I'm here. You just saw all the other teams not named, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, metaphorically blow up in, in a bus explosion. Okay, I could, I could, I could be there. I, I call you up on the phone. And I say, mm-hmm. pop quiz, hot shot. Once the Seahawks go over 50 points in one game, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. You start with an you start, end. Start with an end. Okay. All right. All right. You didn't say that the other team didn't score. You know, I'm a pretty you know, literal guy. You start with an end. So the over 50 points, the 50, the 51 burger, 54 burger, whatever it is. And we're starting with it in. I like it. I like the, the, the speed reference here. So let's, let's, let's hit it again. I heard you hit it. Let's go. Oh, uh, who's the, is that Harvey Keitel? Is that who that is? That's no. That's, who's no, no. De- De- Dennis Hopper. Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. There Dennis you Hopper. go. Yeah. I'm like Harvey Keitel, Dennis Hopper. They're, they're, they're in good movies. Of course, Keanu and, and Sandra Bullock. All right, quickly, your favorite Sandra Bullock role. Oh, favorite of all? Gosh. Yeah. Um, well, I, with Betty White's passing, I, I got to go with, uh, uh, now I'm not gonna I'm gonna blank on the movie. It was the one with her and Ryan Reynolds, and then she and Betty White are dancing around. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's the date the marriage proposal? movie, right? I think it's the proposal. Yeah, the, the proposal. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty good. That's pretty I good. I like that one. I like I like Demolition Man. I just thought that was a great movie. She's funny in it. It's got the three shells scene, and as like a teenager, maybe, that was maybe one of the best. One of the best movie that that Sandra Bullock is in. Yeah, I mean her role is you know she's what she's not. The star star, but she's good. She's quite good in that movie. And it's and she's funny. I miss congeniality, of course. You know, she's 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 done well. She's done well for herself. So all right. Speaking of doing well for ourselves, now we're talking, now we're getting into it. Q1, zero, zero. Let's see. We got the ball on. I think it's Detroit's got the ball. I believe it's on Seattle. It is on Seattle's 29-yard line, about 10, 26 to go in the first. And we're noticing that there's barely any Wagner, right? Or no Wagner, just he ain't out there. And I didn't, I didn't know this until the rewatch. And by the way, you could fill me in with like, what happened? Was he hurt? Did he come back in later? I just I'm watching the first quarter. I'm like, Wagner's barely out there. What's going on? Yeah. If you, if you watch the rewatch, it probably took out all of the parts of, of where he was down on the field, but it was an, it was a knee injury that he went out with huh. and he came out and he tried to go back on, but because it was the injury timeout type thing. So gotcha. you could tell that it wasn't super serious, but uh, it was serious enough that he he didn't come in he didn't come back in and play the game. Well, there there you have it. There you have it. So, uh, so yeah, for me, I did have to just kind of watch the condensed version, so I did did not see it that way. The play that I want to call out here though is Detroit does a little motion with that guy Jared Pickney. Uh, he's like a rookie tight end, number eighty for their guy, and it's a handoff. I think it's to Williams or Swift, but you could put a bunch of different plays in here where Jordan Brooks was once again. Really, 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 really good. This particular play, 10, 26 to go. This guy, Pickney, comes in motion. So he's coming towards the screen if you're watching. And it's kind of this beautiful little play. The end of the play, Barton's making the tackle with John Reed, with Collier. And the first dude to actually lay, lay the first lick is Brooks. It's just such a neat little, like, almost nuanced veteran thing where the guy comes in motion, it's hiked, and this guy, Pickney, takes this angle at Brooks and Brooks just kind of does like this ole. It's very subtle. It's very, you know, it's, it's Matador-esque. And the dude just goes, I mean, literally just olays him. He goes right by and he launches, I think it was Williams, because because freaking Swift barely touched the ball. Uh, he launches into Williams, hits him there. And then the very next play, Seattle gets the fourth down stop anyway on, on a good stop. I think that was by, by Monet. But the in is to Brooks. That play was like the, the thing I, I would say is a really interesting play. But across the board, man, Brooks, in, in, a, in a year that's going to be like lost in, in Seahawks history in, in certain ways, Brooks has stood out. Brooks is like, he's really good at football, man. He's a good linebacker. So love seeing him shine. Love giving him the first in. And 
for him doing something that's to me seemed like a crafty veteran type play where it's like, I'm not going to, you know, go one-on-one with you. I'm going to let you fly right by because you're a big dum-dum and I'm going to go make the stick. So Brooks with the first in, what do you think? You know, this is interesting because I wonder now with Bobby being out, if we're going to, if we're going to be able to see Jordan Brooks now overtake him and get that franchise record. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it could happen, I suppose. But Bobby, it, just rest up, get your knee healthy, come back next year, continue to be awesome. And yes, Jordan Brooks, I love that we're starting with the end here because he had a heck of a day making tackles. I, I would have liked to see him. You know, we talked a little bit about what we'd like to see in the three and three out preview. And I'm I'm a little bit bummed we didn't get to see him shift over to and play more of that middle linebacker spot that they right. put Cody Barton in. But uh, and no, I don't feel responsible for saying that I want <laughs> to see him playing some middle linebacker. Uh, so in Jordan Brooks, nice game. And yes, it was Brian Monet, Daryl Taylor on that fourth down stop. Oh, very nice. All right. Hit that button. Let's flip over to the, the stupid side. All right. We're over to the whammy side stupid over here. Outs. Okay. Yeah. The outs, the outs for those who, who don't, who don't follow along at home just yet. Okay. This is nice. You put up a 50 burger. By the way, we had some people you'll see from the from the flock section like, oh, this was soft or this was open. And I replied to some people on Twitter that were calling things out. I was like, listen, when we went up 38 to seven, I just mentally shut down. Yeah, like, when you like, go we, up 38 to yeah. seven, that is when it's OK to play that kind yeah. of defense. <laughs> That's not when you're up by That's, 10. No, not, not when you're not up, up by seven. 10, not up by four, not up by two, not up by three. But when you go up 38 to seven. And you want to sit back in a soft cushion, have at it. You, you've earned the, the right to be in a soft cushion. However, the one I'm going to call out first, this is different play. Quarter one, seven, nothing. Now we're driving. We're on, we're on Detroit's 28-yard line, and it's second and nine. What I want to call out here is that, and we'll talk about the, the efficiency of the offense. Um, starting an out with an in when you have a 50-burger on a team is probably what we're going to do a lot today. The offense looked really good. Like, And it, I, I know it's Detroit. I also don't care. Detroit has taken uh, some other teams to the wire. It's beaten a couple teams. Tie, you know, tie was Pittsburgh, I guess, right? Uh, a team we lost to. And it's and, 50 points. The, and the reason right. why I said those three teams off the top, what I, what I mentioned, the, the, the Bills. Texas, Jags. The, no, no. Oh, when oh, I mentioned oh, the, the, gotcha. the, the ones. On I the bus those, blowing up. Yeah, the bus blowing up. It's because the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Patriots, those are the three teams that have all gone over 50. And so the Seahawks are one of only three teams this season to, put up to a go over burger. 50 points. Gotcha. I thought it was going to be like the Bills lost to the Jaguars. How'd that happen, by the way? How does, how does that even know. happen? Yeah. No, nobody knows. Nobody knows yet. But, you, but, but good point. But the 50 burgers, you put them up, it's a good thing. So the offense just looked really quick, really fast, and re- really uh, just on the right pace. But one thing we still can't do to save our freaking lives is, is effective screen game. So this particular play... This is the one where by the time Russ is throwing the ball, he's probably like 16 to 18 yards deep, literally 16 to 18 yards deep. And how do I know that that's actually possible? Because he throws the ball forward, like, you know, like a 1930s forward NFL pass. It's received by Tyler Lockett. And I paused it. Lockett's nine yards behind the line of scrimmage when he <laughs> receives this, this freaking screen. Nine yards behind. Like, how is that not the one you just throw into the dirt, right? Or just, yeah, right. or burn that book, that playbook, never ever six space balls when, he, when, you know, Lord, Hel- Lord Helmet is flying into the, into the uh, coffee maker there. And he's like, you know, never show this play again, right? Don't ever do that again. If you're catching a ball nine yards behind the line of scrimmage and it's not like some, you know, you know uh, Music City miracle, like shame on you, shame on us, shame on Russ. That's an out, man. So he still he catches it and is able to get what five yards before he goes down still, and it's still yes. a five yard loss. It's the same. This this team has screen problems, and uh, they. But we've seen we're going to go from an out to an in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we we saw all the other things that can make this team a good oh, yeah. team, and you know I. It's baffling in a way because, but it's also not surprising in another way that really all it needs. And I, I posted on Twitter. I said, yes, the, this is what this offense is supposed to look like. And everybody's, yeah, but it's against Detroit. 
But yeah, okay, it's against Detroit. But at the same time, you're seeing what this offense looks like with a competent run game and yeah. how the and, and all the other things that they can build off it when the run game is working. So whether or not it's the Detroit defensive line that they're the offensive line is able to push around, if you're able to push around an opponent's defensive line and and get those big chunks uh, in the run game, it sets up Russell Wilson and and the rest of the offense to you know. You talk about the Sean Kemp zone. We're in the yep. Sean Kemp zone in this game. Yeah, I love love you bringing that up. It's 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 the truth and the analogy there. Again, we'll say it one more time for those that didn't hear it for the last couple of years. When the Sonics were the Supersonics, I'll still call them, were always winning. It's when Sean Kemp was like, you know, 17 points, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Like those nights, they freaking cruised to victory. When they asked Kemp to do too much, whenever he had to try and be a 30-point scorer, they, they almost lost every single one of those games. And I was a big, big Supersonics fan. That was my team uh, and hoping that they bring them back. So, all right, we, but I do want to get to some of the good stuff, some of the juicy stuff, some of the ins you're talking about. So let's hit that celebration button. Let's get back over to an in. You're good at that foreshadowing thing there, Brandon. So I do the, the what I wanted to, it's kind of like the first one where I kind of want to talk about a macro thing that, that was happening, but also show a play or I'm like, wow, that signified what I'm talking about here. So the macro, I'll give that is so that. Eskridge is in motion on this play. <laughs> you, you, you know, he is at some point. Actually, he's, he's not on this particular play. Okay, but however, okay. I, however I, I figured they, you'd get to that, but uh, I thought it'd however, be sooner than yeah. later. But there's dudes in motion, of course, this cross motion here. And and but this was again, it's like to me, talk about the running game. It's like to me, it's like this is what it was always. This is what the running game and, and then therefore the offense was supposed to be. And we saw it. I know it's a bit of broken record territory for those that listen every week. Um, and we saw it in the first game against Indy, and then it got derailed for a bit. And my my you know core belief is that the DS the Eskridge injury really pooched things up for us more than it should have, to be frank, because we have other dudes who can do those things, which we saw this game, by the way. Swain, we saw Hart, we yeah. saw you know Tyler on the pop pass. So other folks are quick too. But the play in particular, Q1, 410 to go, seven-nothing. We're at the Seattle 26-yard line, and we got Russ under center. Penny is seven yards deep, and they got this like beautiful little stack left. So you got like deep, they're they're right there. They're just a, a triad of dudes lined up all, all tied together, and it's DK Everett and Lockett. So and then pre-motion snap, you got Lockett coming in motion, going left to right. So he's coming across the formation, hike the ball, and then they bring Everett left to right on on the snap. So you got. And Lockett brings, you know, a couple of linebackers with him with, with the pre-snap motion. They snap the ball, and, and Everett is cross-formation. Russ turns to his left, hands it to Penny back to his left. The whole right side of the line is crashing down, you know, left, setting up this perfect cutback lane. And again, it's like playing to the strengths of this type of back. I, what can I say? Penny has shown that, 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 like, that little nimbleness of the one cut or this little stutter before he hits the hole and go. He's been, what can I say, magnificent with it, right? This was a 13-yard play, not even the 37-yard one, not one of the touchdowns, but so well executed. I'm just like sitting there like chefs kissing this replay, watching it over and over and over again. And it wasn't just this one play in a vacuum. It's all the motions they set up, which set up further stuff down the line, which set up, set up jet, jet sweeps, set up the Tyler Lockett pop pass touchdown because the motion confuses the crap out of people. So just beautifully done, man. And I, and it's it comes with this the tier of like, couldn't we have done this all year? Like, couldn't we have done this all friggin' year long? And, and and that that makes me a little sad to be honest. But it's an in, so you know, take it away before I cry. It is. It, it does have you wondering why it couldn't be this way. And and a part of it, I think, is that they didn't have healthy talent at running back. And you know, part of that's Chris Carson going down to injury, Penny continuing to deal with injury through the first half of the season. And he has looked like a different guy. And Phil Lydic in the Discord, we were talking, he's, we were thinking the same thing at about the same time, watching some of these runs by Penny. This is kind of what it was like to watch Sean Alexander in his mm. heyday because oh, wow. the way that Penny's running and the, the type of holes that they're opening up for him, it's six, it's five, six yards before a defender's even getting a hand on him. And so with that burst of speed that he has and, 
all of a sudden he also has this vision also to find the hole where before, and I think part of that could go toward the offensive line, just not opening the type of holes for him. Um, But he does seem to have this combination now of vision and speed that is reminiscent of Alexander. And so when he gets going and and he has those little micro movements that, Hmm. that throw off the defenders enough to where they're not able to get a good clean hit on him down the field. It's an interesting comparison and one that I had not thought of, but doesn't, and I love Alexander, but it doesn't really, doesn't irk me the wrong way. Well, I guess you, if you're going to be irked, it doesn't irk me, period. You know, um, it's more like, okay, I can see that. I, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was maybe last week. Yeah, I think it was last week or maybe the week before uh, when we had the, the gap in between. I talked about him kind of looking a little bit like Maurice Jones-Drew when, when he was like peak, peak MJD. Yeah. Because he is, because he's only 5'11", which is not short for a running back. But he is a little stocky, you know, and but he still has that burst. And Maurice Jones Drew at like his very best is his peak, peak, peak time was that combination of like he could be he could be a little bit patient, but he he would hit the hole like like a little bulldog and be super difficult to to, to you know bring down and he'd bounce bounce off people. So it's somewhere in between there. Like he's kind of like his own thing. But yeah, there were a couple of plays where Penny gets to that second level. There was one play where he breaks out to the second level. And he realizes he's got room and he kind of does like a little head nod, like like a like a 1930s, you know, leather helmet head nod and then just hightails it like Alexander used to. So that's a good, good comparison there where it's like he just turned on everything he had and took it for like 25 more yards down the sideline. So I what can I say? We're entering week 18 of the NFL season in year four. And I'm finding myself uh Falling in love with Rashad Penny for the first time and prob- probably for the last time. Don't, yeah, don't do it. I mean, gosh, I, I think I that paying, it depends on what the, and the good thing is, is you have free agency before the draft. So you can right. see how that plays out for Penny. But gosh, I hope you're not talking about any kind of astronomical contract that you Back give Back up Penny. the truck, ring the bell, Brandon. <laughs> no, but listen, if they, if they're like, hey, listen, dude, we'll give you a, a one-year prove-it deal. We'll pay you for it. You know, or like whatever, like some, something reasonable, you know, a two year deal because the injury history is what it is. You, do, you don't get to yeah. erase three plus years of injury history because you had a good five or six weeks. You know, you don't get that. Maybe another team is like back up the truck. Hey, whatever. I'm not going to name a team like you could see like the Jaguars doing something like that. Right. Yeah. Just back up the truck and pay you. If he wants that. OK, then go go over and play with that kind of disaster of franchise. That's fine. Either way, it's interesting. And it will be a continued story. But if we could go something, you know, give them a one-year deal, we roll back Carson and Penny with others, with Homer, et cetera, et cetera, Dallas. You know, I'd rather, my point being is this time around, I'd rather spend that that second round pick, oh, I don't know, on maybe like a center or something, you know, something like that that we really need. So, all right, we got a few more routes to hustle on over to. Let's hit the uh, the cry button. What do we call it? The whammy. Let's hit the whammy. The whammy. Now we're talking about the so the very next I if you recall my out before was Q1 with the screenplay that was a disaster. The very next play is not not a disaster of a play call or play scheme. It's schemed up really really well. The out is going to go to D Eskridge and I I'm still I'm still a D advocate. He had a very nice play later in the game, which, by the way, I thought uh-oh, he scored. Uh-oh, Penny is getting, like, praise, and we're getting Eskridge in the outs. What is going on? <laughs> what Cat- happened in 2022? Cats and dogs. Yeah, well, 2022. Cats and dogs living together, right? Mass hysteria. And with that, there's a reason for this. I got to be fair, right? If I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And I'm still a believer in D. Eskridge. And I sure. think the team runs through that type of player still. I, I, that's, I think I've made that point very clear. And in fact, in fact, I think it's been proven like that type of player and their skill set is 100% a keystone in what, in what Waldron is trying to do. I, I can see and, where you draw that conclusion, but I, I think that the more important correlation to me is, is having a running back that can, that can rush for over a hundred yards a game. And, and so they can lean they, that yeah, way. But, I, but I, those, I, but those holes we're talking about, you just mentioned like to take a little bit off the, off the, off the penny, penny, pan, uh, pan wagon here, fan wagon, bandwagon, pan wagon, taking it off any wagon you got, got hitched to him. Um, Travis Homer went in and 
the holes are, you know, he's getting hit three, three yards, five yards downfield. The holes are there. Travis Homer, he's just literally just a guy as a running back, you know, Hey, good for you. Go have a decent NFL career, make your money, be a good Seahawk, be a good special teamer. He gets the ball. He does not dilly dally. He's getting hit by a linebacker five yards downfield. So taking that back a bit, I, I, and I think it's because of all the, again, the motions and the, and the, and the, the athleticism and the pulling and the crashing down that's really being executed now. Now, back to that particular play, the next play was also a screen attempt. This time, Russ didn't drop back, you know, 22 yards, which is A, that's good. B, he threw the ball forward and across the line of scrimmage, so two for two so far. And you have Lockett and DK setting up to have like a, a two-on-three situation where D's going to get the ball and they are coming, they're like going to crash down on, on, I think it's like two corners and a safety most likely. Or, you know, if they're playing like a nickel, there's just three, three corners out there essentially. And D just doesn't sit down. Like he, you could tell where Russ throws the ball, that this is not a Russ miss. He didn't, he didn't misfire the ball. And the reason I know that it wasn't Russ is because the play ends and DK looks at D and he points at his eyes and he might be saying something like, you know, dude, focus or, Hey, you got to see what we're looking at here. He's telling him, dude, you missed something. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't sit down where you're supposed to. Lockett and DK are about to wash their dudes out. And then you got a guy like D. Eskridge with basically a one-on-one against the guy. And I like our chances. I like our chances to at least pick up eight, 10, and maybe he breaks it. So it's yeah, little at, at things At least like it's that. not a 51-yard field goal then that you're attempting afterward. I think the goal of that play is to at least get some yardage so it's like a 40 Something Bingo. yard field goal rather than in the fifties. A bit and a rainy day in Seattle. Myers has been, you know, it's it's not not at a no, next not not an even year. Although because it became twenty twenty two, here we an are. Even year, he's, he's perfect. <laughs> this is all right. The numerology is fantastic here. And if you're like juxtaposing, you brought up Amon Saint uh, Amara, Amon Saint Ross Brown. Saint Brown in the What If Show, and it was a great call out. Um, and if you just start to like look at the subtleties and the little things that he does right every single time. We're not seeing that yet from D. I'm like, wait a second. I think skill set wise, D might even be more skilled, more athletic. Cool. You know, certainly, certainly has better tape, if you will, right? Uh, in terms of, um, you know, 40 yard and all, all that jazz. Uh, however, you know, hey, who, who, who'd you, who would you want on your team right now? Probably St. Brown from, from the way he showed out this year. So it's little things like that where I'm like, oh man. Going into year two, that's the stuff that he's got to clean up to get his butt off of the outside of the ledger. You know this is coming. I, I, I guarantee you know where this is coming. So, Lions are at the one-yard line. Uh, we're up big. Amon Ra St. Brown scores like a couple plays later. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Um, the first down play, Diggs makes a beautiful hit on DeAndre Swift, kind of helicopters him. He doesn't get in. The very next play, Brandon, do you remember who, who did some, something that we like to call out whenever it does happen? Do you know who, who's going to get be getting oh, the love right did now? Did a soul get taken? A taking of the soul. It was a soul taking, right, by Daryl Taylor. He just crashes down the line and absolutely just lays out Williams, who just, for some reason, it's almost like he's not expecting him, although he's getting the ball, which is weird. He just, just lays him out so beautifully. Perfect timing. like. The, the perfect, the picture perfect, how you're supposed to tackle in 2022, the year of the perfect hit. And Daryl Taylor, man, like that was just so freaking beautiful. So pumped up. Love the goal line stand. Love that the young dudes are still playing so freaking hard, even though it's a bit of a lost season. And I knew that, you know, if we're talking about soul taking that, it'd make you smile. And I see you smiling. Over yes, there. yes. Daryl Taylor. As soon as that happened, man, that, that was an in play. If I ever saw one. And yeah, I, you know, you had me on the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown and I was all, I was back in the first or second quarter when he scored his first one. I was trying to oh, think, yeah. was there, was there like a thigh arms play? Cause we like to call <laughs> out thigh arms when he's making plays, but yes, the soul crushing tackle by Daryl Taylor. I I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do on this defensive line. Cause we were having the discussion on, uh, on you know which which guys are you even excited about for the future on the different lines and how there's not they don't have a ton of talent there but I think in terms of guys that you really are excited about going forward I think Daryl Taylor has to be the one whether it's offensive line defensive line that you're the most excited about he's also like with that like he's a very exciting watch you know he's 
I'm not, of course, going to be like, oh, like, you know, Lawrence Taylor. But when we talk about like, oh, this guy reminds you of Sean Alexander. And I say, well, this guy reminds you of Lawrence Taylor. I, I understand there's, there's a gap there. I'm not trying to, not trying to say the dude's one of the, one of the best all timers. I'm talking about the way he kind of moves. Mm-hmm. Like he's like at some, which may be at some point, not the greatest technique because he's a little wild. Like he's a little bit like out of control sometimes where like he's jumping, he's trying to jump through the line and he's trying to like, you know, kind of millennium Falcon his way and go sideways through the Death star and you know, make a crease for himself and get through. But it's because he's like, seems to be really athletic. Like it's, he's just trying things out there that I don't think dudes of his size typically can pull off because they, they just would, they would flounder around out there, but, but he stays super strong on his feet. So it's just, it's one of those things where like, I'm with you. I think he's got superstar potential and we have to keep reminding ourselves that this is really his rookie year. Yeah. Like that's he was, he was totally, totally a wash. Uh, couldn't make it back at the end of last season. It's really his rookie campaign. And you know, give that dude, well, you know, if it's Dunlap, cool, play him a lot more, right? Dunlap had a couple of disruptive uh, pass rushes this week too. But, you know, maybe, maybe try and upgrade there. Of course you'd want to. Like go give him somebody on the other side of the line that they really got to worry about. Imagine going into next year where like a, the, the guy opposite Taylor is the guy getting double teamed. Like you'd see, you'd see Taylor get to 10, 12 sacks, I think, I think in his sleep. Which which would be cool. So I'm smiling. We hit the celebration button. We got one more stupid whammy to talk about. So let's flip that switch and, and get to the out. All right, there's one more to talk about. I'm gonna do the thing when we win, we turn an, an out into an in. And I want to just serve this over to you and ask you about this. And the reason it's an out is maybe long term slash like uh, you know, end of an era type type question. My question is, did Cody Barton look better to you in coverage than Bobby has pretty much all season? Yeah, I, you know, I kind of knew that something like this was coming. And I, I was thinking about this a lot just because Bobby is Bobby and Cody Barton is not going to be Bobby Wagner. I don't expect him to be. No. But at the price that you're paying for Cody Barton versus the price on the team that you're paying for Bobby Wagner. Is this a preview of where you go? Yeah, you know, if you spent 15 million on a dude on the offensive line who is competent and can protect Russ, and you know, do you do that versus, or even a pass rusher, you know, versus the money that you're spending at Bobby Wagner? It gives you the chance to to think that way and say the type of money that could be spent elsewhere now. They may get to the point where the salary cap is good. They they can spend it all other ways, and they say, "Okay, Bobby, we we don't need to take a look at your contract because we're doing fine elsewhere." But yeah, this definitely had me thinking. Cody Barton is yeah, he's okay, and often at middle linebacker, all you need is okay to pretty good. It may maybe like a center, like you know, like meaning like you know, if if you have the right types of pieces center, around, pass him, rusher. Uh, gosh, they might need a left tackle. So the, the, yeah. Oh, I'm saying I'm saying like you could get away with with the with the mediocre oh, oh, oh. guy if you're building well enough around him. Right, right. Like you know, Posick has been again the run the run blocking, uh, and Posick has been fine. You know, the last you know several weeks, right? Once he came back from injury, and even even Jake uh, Jake Curran, you know, like sure. credit where due. He got burnt for one one play, and obviously Detroit's not. But yeah, so does Brandon Shell. So exactly, you know, <laughs> exactly. So we might see a couple of people that that are kind of the future there. Now this was I want I don't want people to get their you know you know what in a bunch. I didn't say Cody Barton looked better at linebacker than Bobby Wagner, you know, the, and, and you didn't answer it that way. My specific question was, you know, in which you answered was in coverage. Did he look, and it's about his quickness. It's just, I think like a natural fact of like Cody Barton is still a fairly young man, especially in NFL years and, and in NFL years, Bobby Wagner is not. And, and, and Barton looks a heck of a lot quicker and seemingly has more ability to cover that over the middle stuff that, while we're celebrating Wagner getting all these tackles, um, there was a couple of these that were straight up breakups where where Barton was on the guy and it wasn't caught in the first place. So it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where I want to honor and and, and recognize that the dudes, uh, I love Bobby, one of the, one of our all timers, obviously Hall of Famer. And at 20 million AP, APY next year, I think he goes to 20 million. It may be time to say, hey, you know, like, thank you so much. And we've got to, Got to let we got to let you mosey on. Maybe, maybe, maybe they figure it out. I don't know, but it was 
still kind of cool. And that, by the way, this is an out. It was still kind of cool to see Barton cover the ball so darn well when we put this 50 burger up versus the, uh, the Detroit Lions they read. So the out is to Cody Barton for making us have to think about this conversation and work through it mentally that Bobby Wagner could be gone next year. Screw you, Cody. <laughs> that is exactly you. You said it perfectly, my man. So, so anyway, so we got through the ends. We got we we celebrated the ends. We got through the outs that were the whammies. But when it's a fifty burger victory, we're gonna be you know a little more energetic, a little more put a little more emphasis on the inside of the ledger, and 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 in a year where this is only our sixth victory, you're darn tootin'. We're gonna do that anyway. So, however, this you know we win. We start with an end. And Brandon, now your serve. You get it. I get to sit back. The brand in. What do you got this week? What was, you know, eating Gilbert great, but in a good way that you wanted to bring to the surface and share with the good people of the flock? Yeah, let's dig into the nooks and the crannies with this one, because I want to go to the final Seahawks play of the second half uh, for the okay. for right. on offense. It was just after Travis Homer got it down to the one yard line and they're setting up to try and score here for the touchdown. The you called out a very similar play earlier on where the offense goes left and instead of handing it off to the running back for the cutback, though, it's a little pop pass to mm. Tyler Lockett. And I, it is it's it's the way they set that up. But the guy I'm giving the into here is Will Disley because he leaves just enough of a gap on the inside to think uh, so that Austin Bryant uh, for the Lions, number two, he thinking thinking that maybe he can shoot that gap if he sees Tyler coming coming across and ends up getting the ball. But with the the motion and the momentum that Tyler's building, all Disley has to do is just give him a little bit of a shove, mm -hmm. and it moves him too far to the inside. Tyler's able to get around him, and and the cool thing is is that it, he, he gives him the shove, and then that opens him up to go and then take the lead blocking role. He you know puts his hands on the safety, and it allows Tyler Lockett to walk into the end zone. So to Will Disley getting the in for that just that perfect execution of those two blocks oh wonderful wonderful love love loving giving the brand in to uncle will there who you know he's battled his injuries and hasn't hasn't made the inside of the ledger we'd have maybe have to go back and look maybe you know once or twice this entire year so lovely to have him on the inside and that play was it, it was again built off of so many other looks where they they didn't run it that way like even even that particular play it's also like it's you know Russ is still do faking a handoff too. He pop passes it and he's still there with like a fake handoff. Not sure if that was Penny or Homer at that point. And, and it's just it's and we also it looks so crisp, right? It's like it's like when we run screens and we're like, oh gosh, how come we can't execute a screen? These are the types of plays where it's like we thought we'd see them all year long. We didn't really, and then they, we've kind of struggled with some of them. We haven't run them crisply. When we see ourselves do it this way, it's like. Holy crap, like that was like a well-oiled machine, which I think harkens back to our discussion from last week with what happens it, with Waldron. Mm -hmm. What do we what do we do? What do we do? Let's, you know, whatever. I don't know what's happening with Russ. I don't know what's happening with Pete. And, you know, let's say Pete's here. What do we do with Waldron? It's like once again, like I've seen enough of the glimpses of what he wants to do with this offense that I'm like, I think we give him a second year and hopefully with freaking Russ. To me, it was like proof in the pudding. I lo love that call out. Love that it went to Disley. And that play was just, again, beautifully executed, man. Love it. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about different coaching changes and, and what you do. It, uh, yeah. It's these few games that give us a lot to think about. And I suppose we're going to have a few answers, too, once the season ends on on where certain pieces are moving. Because you, you have to expect that something is going to change. What exactly that is, I, I agree. I think that you you see enough from Waldron that yeah, you got to bring Shane back another year. If everything else is, if certain other things are staying the same, then right. it just doesn't make sense to you know keep Pete Carroll and Russ, but then bring in a new offensive coordinator and then have to try and go through all of this again as as he's trying to build his system into the Pete Carroll system because I I think that's. Well, their Pete Carroll slash Russell Wilson system. It's because for so much of the season, it's, it's looked like the same offense. But you see those things that are a little bit different here and there. And now you have a game like this to where you see it all kind of working together. And 
it makes me, you know, the the Seahawks, I, I don't know if Seahawks fans were booing because they didn't get that final score. They took the knee down at the end or if they were booing uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks for like, why didn't you just do this sooner? <laughs> yes. Hey, or like the third the third possibility there is that I still think D. Eskridge got in the end zone on that freaking run. Booing like, the I don't, officials I don't, for not giving him the touchdown. I don't get. I, I, I watched it. I was that and the the Russ scramble. I was like, didn't I thought it was like, didn't Russ get in? And again, I was watching it. You know, just yeah. as a rewatch. Russ, just Russ to get, was short. I, I okay, didn't, he was short. I didn't but watch they, the TV broadcast uh, copy for the Eskridge touchdown to see where the knee uh, went yeah, down. Yeah, but, but he sure he sure looked like he was in. So that's in my head. They're booing. They're booing the uh, the referees there. So or maybe uh, just a lot of Scorigami fans, and they knew yes. that that extra score was going to get them to Scorigami, and uh, just yeah, trying to get Pete to to go for it. Yeah, because we know we know Pete loves two things in this world, right? A a four pack of the pink stuff. Whoever, however he says that straight pink four packer. That. Wait, what, what is it? Straight pink four packer. Straight pink four packer, and of course some Scorigami. All right, one thing we love, Brandon. When we win, we get the we start at the end. We get the brand in, and of, and of course, we award the MVC, the most valuable cranny, the physical award that we ship out to the PNW. It'll be at the VMAC, and, and you can look for it. Where could you where could you find it typically, Brandon? I, well, it's usually right in the player's locker because. Right locker. And, but during yeah. the season, but you know, now that it's the end of the season, players have a chance to keep the trophy, or you know, they if you go into the VMAC, they have this really nice trophy case. You, you right. got the Lombardi there. And I think what they plan on doing, if if the player decides not to bring the MVC home with them, they expect to be back. They want to put it in their locker next year. Then they they have the MVC trophies kind of up behind the Lombardi. Yeah, it's like a, it's like for just for the off seasons because you know people's houses are really cluttered unless they're like you know uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and most people don't live that way, so they keep their their MVC next to the Lombardi for safekeeping during the off season. And so with that, I you know when a, when a soul is taken. An a an an NBC is it, it gets, its, gets wings. its wings. What, what can I say? What can I say? Daryl Taylor, simply put, you take a soul, you you make the hit of the game, and, and you do it in your way, and you get fired up. You get the NBC, dude. So Daryl Taylor will be shipping it out to you. And we expect to see it hopefully in your lockup this last week. But congratulations to uh to number fifty two out there. I don't know if it's his first NBC, but probably won't be his last. I love it. I, I love it. And I love people who are getting in the flock. Patreon.com slash flock or get in the flock.com. Three bucks a month, you get into the Discord channel. Twelve bucks a month or more, you get into our Facebook Ring of Honor group. And we've got some ins, we've got some outs. These are the ones that come from you, the listeners. And uh, we're going to get to them now. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And you mentioned the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor. I brought it up last week, so before we, I want to kick into this real quick and give a a a. I better wave the white flag and say congratulations to Garrett Banks. He took me down. Oh. Uh, there's still it's we're recording it before the Monday Night Football game, but the bad news is he has more points than me. I'm out of players, and he has Nick Chubb. So unless Nick Chubb loses about 13 or so, I don't win. I don't, Are there I don't negative win. points for fumbles? Like, right, does- exactly. Hey, we, we could all aspire to, to pull a to pull a Mike Glennon and throw for negative ten yards when, when the day is done. But even that might not do it. I need I need a uh, yeah. I need him. He to, needs to, to fumble to three times and throw two interceptions. Exactly, which is very very plausible for uh, for Nick Chubb to do. So, congrats to Garrett Banks uh, on the Seahawkers Ring of Honor uh, Fantasy League, the Premier League, taking up the championship. So, good job, dude. We'll we'll be back to get you you know next year. But a lot of these ins and outs are coming from the Ring of Honor. Brandon, why don't you take the honors and, and kick us off here? All right. We'll start with Michael Paul, hashtag 3I3O. My man, Rashad Penny, hashtag suck it haters, hashtag go Aztecs, hashtag go Hawks. Uh, listen, Michael, Mike, once again, we all know by now, Michael ain't wrong. And and I was I was uh I was less right than he was when it comes to when it comes to his man, Rashad Penny. We got Chris Boucher. He has a hashtag 3I3O tagging us both. He says, so when does Clinton's Rashad Penny jersey arrive in the mail? Well, Chris, I am not getting a Rashad Penny jersey yet. Yet. Lisa Carlson gives an in to Seahawks legend Adrian Peterson on the sidelines. And yes. uh, they what did they ask him about? You know, he could see the appeal of coaching after CN just because all of this with Penny has apparently come from the fact that they signed Adrian Peterson to the team and made this such an impact because Pete Carroll's mentioned it. I don't know. 
three or four times uh, <laughs> since the arrival of AP. And Penny even spent, gosh, a minute and a half of his press conference talking about Peterson. So I guess this is real that you just sign Adrian Peterson and it makes Rashad Penny awesome. If that is all it took uh, three and a half plus years in, then so be it. Right. And, 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 and we talked about it. We're like, is, is Pete just, you know, tooting his own horn here and politicking about how his subtle moves this way and that way are really good for culture building and, and coaching. And maybe so, maybe it is, you know, and it, and if he is, maybe it's a, so what, like if you get those kind of results with the dude that maybe it just works, which is all good. By the way, you mentioned Seahawks legend, AP on the sidelines. We also got to recognize uh, Seahawks legend, Devin Hester is a nominee, I believe for, for the finals for the hall of fame. Yes. So it'd be, be nice to get one more, one more Seahawks legend in the hall of fame. Clearly he'll, he'll probably have uh, the Seahawks bust with him. I'd imagine. Well, they don't do team bus, but yes, that I think they're going to make an exception for Devin Hester yeah. <laughs> because he's going to pound the table and be like, put my bust, put, you know, a Seahawks headband on me, a Seahawks Jersey, you know, cut out a section, put me between Steve Largent and, uh, and Cortez, Cortez Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I love, I love it all. Yeah. Break, break all the ru- rules when it's a Seahawks legend, such as Devin Hester, more legendary talk here though, by Kevin Russell in uh, the ring of honor. He goes, don't want to be the guy, that guy, but there's not all good things here from this game, but he gives the in penny, penny, penny. You know, we heard a lot about him. He's going to be expensive to keep, but he's earning, he's, he's earning his corn now, which is like an interesting turn of phrase, a phrase turn, turn there, which I thought was cool. Is it, is it in, Quan? Quan? Uh, earning his corn, like earning his corn. Because uh, wasn't it, isn't it Jerry Maguire as Quan? Oh, well that was, yeah, he was the ambassador of Quan. Oh, what that's he was. Okay. I don't think he was, that was more like a state, like a state of being, right? It was like, that, that was his- It's been a while. I don't, I, yeah. Good movie though. Very, very good movie. In fact, uh, we also had the end. He says, nice to see touchdowns from, you know, many different sources. And of course, DK getting the hat trick. I appreciate when folks use hockey vernacular. So thank you, Kevin, for calling out the hat trick. Also in, we managed to play in the fourth quarter this week. Truth be told, I didn't watch a lot of the fourth quarter this week. So I was told you I was at the Bucks game. I watched the rewatch. We're up by a bajillion. I'm like, all right. I saw the I saw the Eskridge play, and I said, okay, he should have scored. Uh, he has a couple of outs in there too. He's talking about defense being like occasionally with gaps that were open, and early on, maybe not wrong. The middle middle of the field was still abused by by uh, St. Brown quite a bit, and again, probably just the philosophy of keep everything there, don't let them do anything else. And when you're up 38 to seven, does it really matter? I'm not, I'm not too sure. So, but good job by Kevin, giving us a couple of ins and some outs to discuss as well. Yeah. They did make us think about the fact that they might screw it up when Detroit got the successful onside kick and then yes, went and down score. to score. And then you started thinking, okay, could, could this defense, the way they're playing, could they screw this up? No, they didn't. It was, yeah, it was a, a little bit of, of, of not fear so much, but a little bit of that exact line of questioning did creep in. The out to special teams is right on, though. I, I have no idea. It wasn't just the onside kick that they blew, but every single kick return by the Lions, I felt like they were picking up positive yardage. Jason Myers had to make a tackle in this yes. game. So special teams in this game was a definite out. Well, two things on that particular play. Number one, Jason Myers kicked the ball to the nine yard line. Right. So that's and again, it's it's windy and, and and rainy out there. So these things happen. But the ball went to the nine on that play that Myers had to make had to make the had to make the tackle. So that's not a great kickoff. The other thing is we talked about it all freaking year that DJ Dallas is not a return man. But if you watch that dude from Detroit, I, I, the name is escaping me. That is what a return man the NFL should look like. That dude is he is so freaking fast and quick that you give him a little bit of space. He's, he's the one cut Johnny and he could take it up for 20, 30, 40 yards. So the moment I saw that guy return a kick, I was like, he's going to do this a couple more times. And lo and behold, he did, because that's the type of talent who should be returning kickoffs in the NFL, which by the way, again, we have two players of that ilk sitting, sitting on our team that we just don't allow to return kicks. Something I hope we correct for next year, to be honest. Bridget comes in via the Ring of Honor. Usually Bridget's coming in via Discord. And here she is with the in defense. Three interceptions on the day. In Metcalf, a career day with the three touchdowns. In Myers was perfect. In Pete kept it classy and didn't force another score at the end. Yeah, it's debatable whether that's an in, Bridget. Uh, Out (laughs) to Wagner and maybe Reed at the end got hurt. 
The team looked pretty decent all around, considering the number of backups on defense out too little too late. Yeah. And that, that, that's the sad part we talked about. And one thing I want to, you know, they got the end of DK there. You know, three touchdowns is three touchdowns. Awesome for his stats. I own a bunch of, uh, you know, DK rookie cards. So you know, I like that. Um, I was interested in, in watching DK and Russ. Like, I mean, after touchdowns, it didn't seem like they were huggy feely. It was, it seemed like really businesslike and Russ running over to him, but not really getting a lot of like love from hmm. DK, even after, like even that, that fade root ball that just goes like directly over the, uh, the cornerback's head and into, you know, into a DK's breadbasket, a beautiful ball. I don't know. It just seemed like DK was like, yeah, dude, like maybe the, the too little too late that bridge is bringing up, you know, maybe, maybe DK's feeling that a little bit too, which again, it's a little, little tumultuous. I didn't like that. Brandon. Yeah. Well, you brought it up off the top on Russell's uncertain status. Maybe, maybe DK with his relationship knows a little something that uh, the rest of us don't do. So there's all this stuff yeah. that you can read in that we really have no clue about. So we don't, uh, <laughs> we do. We, just, we can only, we can only speculate. And that's that. And, I and shall. That's, that's part and, of the fun. That's why we do yeah, this. So we can speculate. It is. It is Chris Boucher. He was a great member of that, uh, that fantasy league I was just talking about. He says in Carlos Dunlap, keep it contained on Amon, Amon Rossi Brown on the jet sweep. We, he uh, got him for a four yard loss. It was a beautiful play. Amon Rossi Brown is a baller. That dude is wily. He's good. He's great in space. He's great with the ball. Got good hands. Dunlap made a heck of a play there to string him out and make, made the play towards the sideline for a big, uh, big tackle for a loss there. So nice call out there, Chris. Moving over to the Discord, Josh DeHuman coming with the in, Penny with the two touchdowns and 80 yards by 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah, he was having a game just, gosh, even through the first half. Out the missed tackles by Diggs and Taylor on St. Brown, leading to the touchdown and an in to DJ Dallas, doing solid on the returns. All right, so we disagree on, on one of those three, but that's okay. You don't mind that. You don't mind. And Swain. It was had solid. A, it was, yeah, you know. He was, he's fine. He's he fine. He didn't he's fumble. Fine. He turned it upfield. He, he got positive. He got it over he's, the 25. He, he gets the ball and goes straight. And he doesn't fumble. You know, so I, I'm not complaining about the dude. We wouldn't have been uh, 10 and 6 if we had a different kickoff returner. So it ain't that. We'll just got to change it next year. No big deal. Car Car. Speaking of things we do not have to change. Car Car. Coming in hot. In. Penny averaging 10 yards per carry at one point. I think Penny's leading the league now in in like YPC, like by a good stretch. Like he's beating like Josh Allen, who was leading the league in yards per carry. Right hand Dan with the in the impact of AP on a running back room since joining. No matter who we have next year at running back, keep him around because imagine having a future Hall of Famer keeping you motivated. Yes, always good to have a Seahawks legend, whether he's coaching you or not. Speaking of Seahawks legends, Cam Chancellor, you're out there, right? Maybe. Maybe he wants to come back and coach a little bit. That that show would be fun. So Golden Hawk, by the way, Brandon, you know, uh, condolences. We know we know you're a huge, huge fan yeah, of not just loss. the Golden Girls, but of Betty White. You know, Golden Hawk, your your moniker in the Discord. The Golden is for Golden Girls. She has a one heck of a, a career and life, a life lived very, very, very well. So but condolences. And I know you were, I know you were a true and huge fan of, of Betty White. So. Yes, I, I actually have my um, it's I bring it on camera, but it's just out of my reach. But I got the the Golden Girls Little People for Christmas. And uh, it was it was outstanding. A nice homage. And, and again, to a life extremely well lived. So you put up you put it out in there, though. You, you, you said out special teams, allowing some big returns. We talked about this. And yeah, dude, that that dude's just quick. You You want. Go, go rewatch that guy. I don't even, don't even know his name. Somebody go find out his name. Their kickoff returner is fast. Yeah. Well, you know, the other out that I maybe mentioned in the discord and I wish I could remember exactly what play it was, but I think it was early on in quarter one and they send Ryan Neal on the safety oh, blitz yeah. and the dude goes and, and bites on the, on the fake to the running back. He would have just been able to clobber the the Lions quarterback if he would have just done what he was supposed to do and blitz the quarterback. And instead, he bites on the fake. They end up throwing. I, I don't think it resulted in any kind of big play, but it's like, dude, you could have had a huge play there, Ryan Neal, and you bite on the fake to the running back. And what are you going to do? Chase him down from behind? I was I was mad at Ryan. Well, especially since he had the one, I think it was earlier, I think. No, it was where later he that where he, where he oh, got okay. him from behind yeah, and he where, caused where he the fumble there, that I wasn't that a fumble. Was a yet. fumble. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was definitely a fumble, but it was nice to see him buzzing around like that and be, being around the line of scrimmage and 
doing all those Jamal Adams type things that we're going to be welcoming back. And then some as we hit the, the 2022 season, not just the year 2022. Josh DeHuman back in Taylor on that second and goal stop. Boom. Yeah. See, talk about people who we've lost in the last few days. John yes. Madden. That was a boom play right there. And the announcers called it out as so they, they, they both boomed it and they, they gave a little homage to, uh, to Madden, which I thought was really cool. So Josh DeHuman uh, says out to Nigel Warrior. He's the one who kind of, well, not kind of, he muffed the, uh, the onside kick there, gave them the ball back. And actually at one point, uh, as Josh is saying, he's like, hey, that could have been a turning point in this game. Didn't end up being such, but it was that little bit of like, oh, dude, are we going to are we going to make this a game? Because uh, for a, a hot minute there, it felt like we might. And the Nigel Warrior uh, mistake was the reason we, we were kind of feeling that way for a little bit. Frost with the preview in 2022, four shows a week with Adam coming in 2022. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, sure. Then, yeah. If Adam and I do a show twice a week and then. I come in and do the shows with you twice a week, Clinton. Four shows. Here we go. That's four shows right there, right? So you got a whole a whole suite to uh, to fill out the calendar. And notice people are hammering the in button in the Discord. So Frost mentions it, and people are like, "Yep, yeah, give me more, give me more," because they get it. They dude, they love you. They love you guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's as as us. Phil. Look at uh, us. Now, well, it, and I always defer because you know there's there's the Godfather, and then there's a, you and Adam, and there's folks who have done who've done who've done stuff. On the, uh, you know, in, in the, the shoulders of the shoulders of giants, is what, what I'm trying to say there. So um, not saying it very well, but uh, no, okay. no, I'm, I'm basically stammering at this point. <laughs> so anyway, I'll stammer on. What do we got here? This is, oh, Jesus, I need, I need my glasses. Hold on. DJ Nichols 92. There we go. DJ Nichols 92 out broadcast somehow finding a way to, yeah, shoehorn in mentioning us not <laughs> running the ball in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was nice. That was cool to hear that, that just randomly bring up the fact that we didn't run from the two and always want to hear that. Always. You know, how many years ago was that now? And you still have to find a way to bring it up, even though it's not even a Patriots game or. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Stupid. Flocktimus Prime comes in with the out, not scoring on that last drive. It might have been rude, but it also would have been a scoragami. See, you know, Keith would have been there booing with the rest of the crowd in that moment. <laughs> well, yeah, but and yes, he would have. And he would have been like, because of the scoragami. Like, Keith is a very he's a he's a gentleman first yeah. and, and a scholar second or perhaps, you know, perhaps both and flip flop those. It's OK. The point being is he's smart and he's a gentleman. He would have educated his his, his you know, his seat neighbors there and said, hey, listen, it's because of this that I'm booing. So you should, you ought to boo as well. Um, and probably would have gotten, you know, uh, Pete to look at him and, and run the ball. Yeah. You just give him a little head nod and then Pete knows it's like, okay, I'm going for, I got to go for score. Exactly. And it didn't happen, but, but Keith is a smart fella. Frost, another smart fella. He says in, when you score 50 points, you win, you get a brand in, you get the NBC and you get to start with an in. So Frost was right on this. He knew, he knew the exact uh, way this was going to go today. So good by you. B-Wag's biceps coming in with the show title. We're undefeated in 2022. Wonderful. Just a math is math. And, and that's, and the facts are facts right there. Right. We're going to head on, head on out to Twitter. We got Gecko, Gecko HTR. Give him a follow. He hashtags it 3i30 into the Hawks ending ending the game in victory formation with the safe and classy move respecting the Lions. He also says out to the fans for a boo, booing victory formation. So, you know, a little, little yin and yang right there. Again, I think the fans just wanted Scorigami. Keith was sitting there with the chance. But Gecko calling out the fact that, you know, end of the day, the classy guy that Pete Carroll is does the classy thing and takes the knee at the one-yard line. He did say in the press conference, even if he had known that it was Scorigami time with any score at all, he still would have taken the knee. Yeah. Well, and, then, and then Keith showed up in the press conference and booed him. <laughs> well, you know, well, he's he's a gentleman, he's a scholar, and he's consistent. Three things about about uh, you know, Flocktimus there. Bailey with the out, the Lions driving on this defense. And I commented to Bailey out on Twitter. I, I that was one of the ones where I was like, yeah, at 38 to 7, I was just out. I'm like, okay, you know, it, it's but I but I want the voice to be heard. I want Bailey to know what we're we're following along out there. And, you know, yeah, it could have been a little frustrating seeing, seeing these, the over the middle stuff. But when you go up that big, that's, that's when I stop caring if they're moving the ball. And that's where you, me, I'm sure you, Brandon, as well, gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Let me eat more and more clock if you want to go 
eight yards a clip down down the uh, down the hundred yards there. It's all right. It's okay. Before we get to this last in and out by you know who I think you know who out there, I want to give one more out to the fans. I uh, put that in quotes of the New York Jets. So I'm at the game. I'm wearing my Seahawks, you know, vintage Seahawks shirt. Now, the best part is it's, it's green. So people may think I'm a Jets fan. Mm. And then it's like, aha. <laughs> so, you know, I fooled you. I'm a Seahawks fan. Only one person, one out of a stadium of people brought up the Jamal Adams trade and like was like, oh, I hope you lose today because of the draft pick. And I was like, hey, yeah, I got you. One. 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 Person. One. And we saw lots of people. We were, we were in the parking lot two and a half hours early. You know, we're social butterflies. We're talking. We're in the stands. We're having fun. One Jets fan brings up the trade, which was kind of a blessing, but like, you know, come on, like a big out to your franchise for not just not knowing how to act in that situation. And, and these are New Yorkers, so it's not right. like they're not opposed to giving you crap. No, not at all. They, the only thing I, that I did see was, and I mentioned this to you, that it was at least 35% Bucks fans. And then it was probably 15 to 20% like Tom Brady, ex-Patriot fans who wanted to see Tom Brady throw a touchdown to Gronk. So, you know, chances are we just weren't around that many Jets fans because they are, they're terrible. Sure, but I suppose even Bucks fans probably said, well, I bet Jets fans should hope you lose today. <laughs> yes, yes, way smarter, way smarter. Better looking, didn't smell as bad, you know, the whole thing. All right, let's kick up the Ender Sandman, 1981. Uh, and where is this? Stores? Stores, Yukon. So he, so he grew up, uh, so Bloomy grew up right in Stores, Connecticut, which is where Yukon is, right? Which is where I went to school. And I believe, I think Bloomy had said too, oh yeah, he went to, oh crap, he's going to kill me because I can't pull the name of the high school, but it's on the tip of my tongue. But the dude from uh, Weezer, Rivers Cuomo, went to that high school also. In fact, the whole band from Weezer, they all, that's how they all met. They all met up there. So Stores is Stores, Connecticut. It's on the campus of UConn. Oh, it's Elo Smith. Elo Smith. Mm. So he went to Elo Smith High School. It shares a campus with, with UConn. That's where the, the Rivers Cuomo and Bloomy went to high school there, which is pretty interesting. He comes in with a, not sure if it's an in or an out, but Clinton's penemy getting more rushing yards in a game than ever had in a game in three out of the last four weeks. Yeah, then Carson. I think you missed the Carson part, I believe. Oh, is that is that part get cut off? Okay. Oh, oh then Carson. Oh, yeah, then Carson yeah. ever had. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. So three out of the four games, more yards than Carson ever got in a single game. And like I like I said, I put this out in Discord. I put this out on, on the Ring of Honor. You know, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, right? The old the dirty dancing line there when he finally apologizes to Patrick Swayze and they go off and they dance together. Um, and and I might have been wrong. Now the thing is, I fall in love very easily, Brandon. So now I got to stop myself from falling in love and believing that we need to bring Penny back next year because I'm on the precipice, man. I am I'm a fool for love and I'm about to go all in and say, we got to bring back Rashad Penny and... I don't know how to I don't know how to feel, Brandon. That's what it boils down to. Uh-oh. Let's get out of here. Let's quick get out of here before he, he does anything silly. All right. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.